Welcome to Ha'igeret, or The Message, a unique journal of original and plagiarized Jewish thought in the merit of my grandfather, Benjamin Ari Ben Meir, and for a refuish lema, a complete healing for Esther Batsipora. Mazel tov, everyone. We've reached the second book of the Torah Sefer Shemot, the book of Exodus. It also happens to be the opening scene of the excellent DreamWorks film, Prince of Egypt. A new pharaoh has arisen in Egypt who has forgotten of Yosef, of Joseph and his family, and has started some new edicts. Pharaoh is threatened by the fact that Bnei Israel, that the children of Israel have thrived so much in Egypt. So he now requires that all Ivri, all Hebrew baby boys, must be flung into the Nile. Enter Yocheve, daughter of Levi, of Levi, granddaughter of Yaakov, Jacob, who gives birth to a particularly good, tov, Hebrew baby boy. She hides him for as long as she can, but eventually she has to make a decision. Some commentators say that she puts her baby in the Nile momentarily, planning to come back. Some say she's sending her baby off for what she thought would be a better life. And others say she was finding the classic Jewish mother loophole, flipping the script and following through with Pharaoh's command to put all Hebrew baby boys in the Nile. No matter what her intention was, her baby floats down the Nile to be discovered divinely by the daughter of Pharaoh, who takes him in and names him Moshe, Moses, for I drew him out of the water. Kimin Hamayim Meshitihu. There's also a beautiful piece of commentary that connects Moshe as being saved or being drawn out of a harsh place to his eventual role as the savior of Bnei Israel too. So Moshe grows up in the palace and eventually finds out he's Jewish. He goes out, like maybe for the first time, and sees an Egyptian taskmaster beating a fellow Ivri, a fellow Hebrew. We are told that Moshe looked this way and that way, but saw no one, so he struck down the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. When I first read this, I assumed it meant that Moshe was looking this way and that way to make sure that there was no one around to see him commit this crime. But no, he was looking around to see if anyone else was going to intervene. Maybe I'm just dim, but when I read that commentary confirming this, it really surprised me. It wasn't that Moshe was worried about getting caught. I mean, like, maybe he was a little bit, but it was that he wanted to discern if now was really the time to step up. There may have been a huge crowd around him, but if no one was willing to intervene, there may as well have been no one. Even now, I'm just reflecting and thinking about the times that I personally have stepped up and done something that I was proud of. Thinking about it, I'm realizing that these situations happened when either one, no one was around, or two, no one around was choosing to do the thing that I thought was right. Nothing makes me more angry than inactive bystanders. And of course, we are social creatures. We want to be accepted and loved by our fellow humans. But sometimes being forced to act because no one else will can be very revealing. There is no such thing as evil, only a lack of good. Meaning there can only be evil when we fail to be good. Which reminds me of a movie my dad put on last week called The Electric Horseman, starring Robert Redford and Jane Fonda. Robert Redford plays this, like, washed-up, hungover, former rodeo star or cowboy uh, who's now sold out as the face of a breakfast cereal brand. He's about to make a big PR appearance with a $12 million racing horse named Rising Star when he discovers that the horse is drugged up and injured. Robert Redford then steals away into the night on the horse, planning to free him into the wild. Why does he do it? He sees pain, he sees a lack of good, and he steps in. So reflect on a time where you've stepped in when no one else did, or maybe a little more painfully, a time where you wish you would have stepped in. So Moshe kills this Egyptian and then flees Egypt, settling in Midian, where he marries Zipporah, daughter of Yitro of Jethro, and manages Yitro's flock of sheep. 
a shepherd is a pretty isolated job too, one that gives you lots of time to think and be who you are. Moshe is out tending to the sheep when he suddenly sees a bush consumed by fire, but that isn't diminishing. God speaks to him through this burning bush, saying that Bnei Yisrael has suffered enough and that it's time to deliver them from out of Egypt. And Moshe is to be the one to set everyone free. But Moshe is confused. Who am I to free us from Egypt? Mi anochi ki elech el paro et Bnei Yisrael mimitraim. I am not a man of words. Lo ish tvarim anochi. To which God replies, And who gives man speech? Mi sam pela adam. Who makes him dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not me? This section is just straight up beautiful text. You don't need to be a learned scholar to get this. Moshe says, but I have flaws. It can't be me. And God says, but who gave you those flaws? Who decided you'd be the way that you are now? And who decided that this is why you are meant to be the leader now? I love, love this idea. You are the leader, Moshe, because of your shortcomings. Moshe's struggle, whether it was a stutter or a misshapen tongue or an unclear way of sharing ideas, it humanized him. No one likes a flawless person. Obviously, there are truly none, but we sure do a solid job of pretending on social media. In that vein, I actually have a small request. Could everyone that I envy follow on Instagram please post their top three flaws and maybe their deepest, darkest secrets? I think I could move on if we shared those things. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm kidding a little bit, but isn't it very cool that the leader of the Jewish people, the guy who led us to the promised land, had a seriously visible flaw? It's really amazing. So now think about your own shortcomings, whether visible or not. How do they humanize you? How do they ground you? Shabbat Shalom. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it so much. If you liked what you heard, please do rate, review, or subscribe, and I'm wishing you a great, great, beautiful weekend. Thanks. Thanks.